1: You have a great analytics program, and you say, "Okay, I get these insights." Okay, great, you got this insight. Now, what next? Okay, so what do you do with that uh, insights? How do you how do you convert that action insights into decisions, and uh, decisions into into actions? Uh, right? You know, like the main thing is, unfortunately, what I've seen is people look at data and analytics more from a technical and data perspective, but ultimately, it's all about people.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers. Now, you just heard from this week's guest mentor, Prashant Kel. And uh, we're super lucky to have Prashant on the show today. He was recommended by a previous guest mentor on the show. And Prashant is just an absolute guru when it comes to data analytics and actually driving better business performance. Prashant's rather special in another way is that he's not strictly come from a finance background. His career started out in IT and then evolved into Lean Six Sigma and data analytics. But everything that Prashant shares in the show is all about driving better decision making, better performance, in actual fact, helping us be better in finance so we can help the business do better and more constructive things. So in this episode, we deconstruct together at his top three practices to drive business performance using data analytics. One of my favorite things Prashanth mentions is the importance of viewing analytics in terms of products as opposed to projects. And he's very optimistic about how post-COVID-19 that data analytics will play an even bigger role than before. So if you're looking to get a head start as we start emerging from emerging from this pandemic, you know, this could be a key podcast for you to listen into. Another one of my favorites that Prashanth mentions is the importance to actually question the cost of coming up with the KPI and putting it on a dashboard. You know, in effect, flipping it around. So rather than looking at the value of having that KPI on a dashboard... What's the cost of not having it on that dashboard? Um, Prashant shares a great example about some work he's doing with India's largest utility company in terms of helping their data literacy and their data analytics culture. You know, something he's very passionate about is a great way to actually improve the outcomes in society, actually, with data analytics. So I'm really delighted for Prashant that he's involved in that and he shares that with us. But also, there's really great advice in here specifically for those in startups or small companies to actually get a jump start in using data analytics and we go through three areas where that can be also done so look hope you enjoyed this episode there's an absolute bucket load in here if you want to follow up on the detailed timestamp show notes key quotes resources and ways to connect with Prashant, who also mentions a couple of the books he's written you can find those and more at sitnshow.com and we always love it when not only guest mentors share their advice with you but you share that advice with others so you can share this episode to your colleagues and friends and all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube and Spotify. And I think you've heard enough from me for now, so without further ado, over to Prashant and the show. Prashant, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, my pleasure uh, Andy, glad to be here
0: it's great it's our pleasure to have you and it's even a greater pleasure when a former mentor on the show recommended you need to get Prashanth on so you know our guest mentor would have been familiar with you but some of our audience maybe not as familiar with your background so would you mind maybe sharing with them a brief history of your journey in data analytics
1: yeah, sure. You know, like I started working in IT in India and I'm from India, I moved to Belgium for a couple of years. And then I came back to India before moving uh, back to before moving to Canada in 2009. So since then, I've been living in uh, Canada. And so my journey in data, analytics because I look at data analytics as integral part of every work you do, like whether you are a homemaker, whether you are a business professional, whether you are a data scientist, or whatever it is data and analytics are integral but the real you know realization that happened to me was when i was in ge i enrolled myself for the lean six sigma course which was for 5 days and uh, that's where i got a formal uh, training on applying data and analytics in business so what ge called as lean six sigma in 2000 uh, in the 2000s um, was basically today people call it as data science in my view so that's mm. where uh, I started uh, my formal data analytics journey. And then after the program, I went to the manager there and I told him that I'm, I'm very intrigued with this and I, I want to teach. So he said, sure. Uh, so go for this two weeks training program. You are like a certified trainer for Lean Six Sigma. And it all started from there. And these days, you know, I've been using pretty much the foundation has still been the Lean Six Sigma concepts I learned in GE, but uh, Mm. I have, um, you know, branded itself as a data analytics uh, consultant and uh, trainer. So quite a few of the things which I talk and uh, teach is basically some of the things I learned. And today uh, I've been uh, using it for uh, quite a few companies. In in the last 20 years of my career, I've consulted for uh, the big ones such as uh, Shell, Procter & Gamble, G, of course, and Apple. But I've also consulted for small and medium companies, such uh, companies with just 20 people in, uh, in their offices, and uh, how we can apply data and analytics to make them more efficient. So whether you're looking at a company with 20 people or a company with uh, 400,000 people, like G, when I was there, everybody's <laughs> talking about uh, data and analytics and how that can improve business performance.
0: And that's really, about, I, I guess, why uh, Jesper, who was on the show previously, said you got to get Prashant on because... Uh, It's a very uh, important topic at the moment. It's something our audience are interested in. And also, you know, our audience are both from small and larger enterprises. So it's music to their ears saying it's relevant to everyone and integral to not just ourselves and finance and accounting, but homemakers and so on and so on. So I suppose, in terms of driving business performance, it's no accident that you've, you've, you know, you know, you're inside out, Prashant, and you've got a, a book out at the moment. And in there, you list out the top sort of 10 practices we should be doing. I mean, what are the main ones for us in finance and accounting to be focusing on to drive business performance with data analytics?
1: The great point, Andy, like, you know, the the reason why I wrote this book is basically, whether it's a small companies or the big ones, wherever I go, I see that analytics programs are challenged. But I also seen some places where it has worked really well. Then I said, okay, what are the patterns where things have failed? And what are the the places where things have really worked. Then I started doing some research and after two years of research, I came up with this book, Analytics Best Practices. It's just not just my thought process or my hypothesis. I've also consulted with quite a few people, attended conferences, uh, taught, spoken and everything. So it's all, uh, and almost uh, today, is they just released about a couple of weeks back and almost like I have some great endorsements from some of the big names like Doug Lenny, the informics Guru or the Big Data Guru, Randy Bean, uh, who is a regular contributor at Harvard Business Review and um, Professor Michael Wade, who is a professor at IMD School of Business in Switzerland and all those big shots. And Upen Varna, who is the CEO of Riversand, all those big shots. But coming to your question about, about what are the, Top three, if I had to pick out of the stand, in fact, all 10 are good, (laughs) but if I had to pick the top three, (laughs) the first one I would say is I would start with the data quality. Number one, why data quality? I define analytics. Today, if you ask somebody what's analytics, everybody has their own definition of analytics, but I define analytics as using data to answer your business questions. So that means data and questions are the fundamental building blocks of analytics. No data, no questions means there's no analytics. So you stop your program, go and find out the good data and what questions you are trying to answer. So um, quality data is one of the fundamental things. And I talk about uh, getting good quality data as a fun, as one of the best practices. And of course, in many places, there is no good quality data. So I've also suggested some workarounds when you don't have good quality data, what do you do? So I've also, yeah. said, this book is more about uh, prescriptive, not just a preaching thing. You need, Amazon did this, Facebook did this and all those things. People know that they can Google it and find So this is a prescription. Yeah. So that's the first part. The second thing is other, the reason why I see analytics projects are challenged is to treat them as projects and not as products. So this is what we need to look at uh, holistic uh, solutions. And look at the whole uh, solutions as a product, which are scalable, which are repeatable, which are there for a long term purpose. Not just do this project and just run away from that. <laughs> <kind of. laughs>
0: it just it just seems that that sort of stop start thing just doesn't make any sense. I mean, at least with products, there's a value proposition there, right? There's some need you've got to fulfill, you know. And, and you know, is it really worth fulfilling it if it's not like an ongoing need, you know, like it Absolutely. doesn't make any sense. But so many yeah. people do that way. I don't, I don't get it. Well, why, actually, why do they do that? I mean, why is there that sort of mentality of, of treating it like a transaction or a project as opposed to a, a product?
1: Okay. So in my view, it is ultimately, you know, while we talk about data and technology and all those things, it might look like it is a it is a techie, yeah. techie concept, but actually the, behind it, it's all about people mm-hmm. and uh, their mm-hmm. interests. So one of the reasons why we look at analytic solutions as a project is mainly because most of the businesses are structured in a very siloed way. They look at a (laughs) line of business, rather than procurement, HR, trading, costing, uh, safety, and all those things, rather than looking at the whole enterprise. So if you look at whole enterprise, it would be much better where we think about long term. Like I was in a project. By the way, Andy, I have a third best practice, which I'll come to you as well. But let's finish this. I was in a project. And uh, we were about 25 people in the room, all senior directors, VPs, and, and all those uh, people. So I just told them, we are having this discussion about all those uh, challenges. And everybody was talking about their respective area, oh, HR, finance, procurement, and all those things. And in the meeting, I just told after a few minutes, it's great that we have representation from HR, from uh, procurement, from uh, asset management, from finance, from costing, and all those groups. But unfortunately, we don't have representation from the company. <laughs> we don't have anybody representing this company X, Y, Z. Right? Yes, yes, We have yes, everybody yes. <laughs> representing, talking about their own interest, but nobody's, yeah. represent, nobody's talking about the company, I just told. So when I said that for a minute, I thought probably I'm, I'll be fired for saying this. It, it was one of the moments that really built the credibility in the company. Then for a minute, there was like a few seconds of silence in the room then after that yeah. people started realizing well, what I meant and after that that statement brought a lot of credibility to me in the in the company saying that okay that this is guy amazing. is not like a siloed person he's not going to play for uh, he's not going to help this guy or this guy he's going to help the company
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's great and I think I think that's something that plays well to the you know, to our audience you know from a finance and accounting perspective is that broad across silo a viewpoint that we have you know it's like like same with the data and same with access to decision makers it comes across all silos because our duty is there to to protect shareholders as well as the other stakeholders so it is the company that's at interest as opposed to one particular functional area so that's a really good point i think it'll resonate with our audience Prashant. and i suppose the other aspect the other aspect to pull on that though you know like that product view is that is the other point if it's a good product, it should be applicable across the company, not just Absolutely. to one particular area. So, yeah. you know, like, again, it's just like, it seems odd that and maybe and maybe you just hit the nail on the head. That's probably why, it, you know, sometimes data and analytics doesn't get the traction it should in driving business performance.
1: Absolutely. You bet, uh, Andy. And the third point, which I want to talk about my best practices: is look at analytics holistically as a way mm. people work and behave rather than look at more from a technical perspective. So if you look at the way, you know, the teaching is different from the way things work, right? When I teach analytics, I say there are three types of analytics, descriptive, predictive, Mm -hmm. and prescriptive. Okay. But the way things work in business is not like three siloed uh, thing. It all works together naturally how people work. Let's look at how things work. Like you go to your manager and says, uh, oh, your manager comes to you and says, okay, uh, tell me how much money we made in 2018. So you go and say 5 million. Okay. What's the next obvious question he, he, he would be having? Okay, he's going to ask, tell me how much money we are likely to make in 2022. Okay, that's where predictive analytics come. Okay, you go to him and say, oh, let me run my regression and I'll come to you. So you run your regression models and come to, and go to him and say, oh, we are going to make 6.5 million. Okay, so what's the next obvious question he has asked? Okay, my target is 8 million. Tell me what are the factors which are going to help me make this 8 million? right? So this is how people work and behave, not by siloed thing or descriptive is dashboarding, but predictive is regression and prescriptive is optimization. It's, it doesn't work like that. Think analytics as the way people naturally work.
0: And I actually, I term that like a ladder thinking. It's, it's the first questions, maybe the first rung or second rung on the ladder. Then you go up the next rungs of the ladder because that's the obvious next question. And to get to the real top of what you know, you're trying to add from value and business performance, it's the next rung. It's, it's sort of, what levers do I need to pull? What factors do I need to consider to get to my target, you know, the next bit? You know, so, hey, Prashant, that's a, nice little, that's a nice little way of looking at it that you sort of said. It's, it's that progression, it's obvious questions, and it's a great way of getting ahead of what people need. I, I suppose, again, are there sort of any things that our audience could do to try and think of analytics more holistically? Does those questions, anything else we should be doing?
1: Of course, there are main things. It all starts with senior management support. And building the data yes. literacy, right? If the senior management support is there, not there, just because somebody has read an article in the while sitting in the flight and uh, in the flight <laughs> magazine and says, "I want to do machine learning," for example, without understanding the ground reality, so it's basically the program is go- going to fail. So one thing is there data literacy in the company. Like today, I'm talking to an uh, India's biggest utilities company and uh, fortunately they understand the value of data literacy so they said okay before we start our middle management and uh, about uh, about data analytics let's talk to the senior management about what the value data and analytics bring to the bring to the company so we are starting a 10 hour program just for the c-suite and the board members to talk about data analytics so this is a great initiative very few companies do about this do about educating their like McKinsey did a study and they said that 18 percent of the people in the board and c-suite understand the good value of data and analytics which is pathetic given that if you look at the top five companies in the world in terms of market capitalization today all are data and tech companies but unfortunately yeah. on the other hand, we just have just one out of six people understanding in the board what the value of data analytics is all about. So it's a very unfortunate.
0: Well, actually, because you actually preempted my next question, which was actually what are the common pitfalls? And I think that's probably the first one that sort of starts in one way at the top. You know, if, if they're not sort of appreciating the value of this, it's not going to get much traction in the organization or the culture. And the other pitfalls that we, we should be aware of to navigate uh, better data anal- analytics for business performance.
1: These are the things like uh, which I would say: getting good quality data, having the answering the right questions. You know, like uh, analytics is all about yes. questioning, right? So if you, uh, how to formulate the questions is also one of the important things. It's not just because I want analytics because I read it White <laughs> Magazine that the analytics is uh, is what helped Amazon uh, become successful, right? So it all it's all about you and your company. And you need to have that right kind of questions. Like, for example, I always say when we design a dashboard, okay, I want this KPI. I want this KPI. Okay, great. You want this KPI. So tell me what is the value of knowing and what is the value of not knowing?
0: Exactly. Yes, yes. And I like, I like the way you did the second aspect, right? Is yeah, people might be able to figure out the value of knowing, but that not knowing, what's the cost of not knowing this information? because and then comparing it against other requests and doing the most important one first we've i think we sometimes just jump too fast into these initiatives and they turn out to be the wrong ones
1: absolutely and who yes. wants this api okay, <laughs> yeah. you have a great analytics program and you say okay i get this insights okay great you got this insight now what next yeah what next okay so what do you do with that uh, insights <laughs> how do you how do you convert that action insights into decisions and uh, decisions into into actions yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, like the main thing is, unfortunately, what I've seen is people look at data analytics more from a technical and data perspective, but ultimately it's all about people.
0: It, that's an interesting, that's an interesting observation, actually, that you, you can, you know, you can know all the technical stuff and the data science elements and all the statistical pieces, whatever, but it does come back to people. You know, at the end yeah. of the day, and it's actually doing something with that information, and I think that's the challenge to our audience as well is is helping our organisations do something with the analytics out there, uh, foster some sort of action, deploying some solutions, moving the business forward, or, or moving the business in a way that you know, reduces unacceptable risks or something like that. So, so Prashant, yeah. really appreciate you sort of going through those items, and uh, that that sounds fantastic as well about the work you're doing with the large uh, Indian utility. Um, is there anything else? I suppose anything else that's currently exciting you about your your present work?
1: So these days, at least in the last five years, I've been wearing three hats. One is as a consultant, where I go and embed myself into one as a team member in one of those companies, help them with this analytics, digital initiatives, whatever it is. Whether it's an SAP solution optimization or building a mobility solution or implementing a new solution, whatever it is, help the team as a consultant implement the solution. Number one. Next is I also help companies advise uh, like uh, mostly the product companies and the startups on uh, on the go to market strategy and and how to build great products so that they can take it to the market. So I'm advising three companies, one in India, in Bangalore, one in Calgary and other one in Fremont in uh, California. So the third thing which I do is uh, education where I teach at two universities, University of Calgary and IE Business School in uh, Madrid but i do every 2 months i do an analytics 10 uh, hour analytics training over zoom so anybody in the world can come and uh, join I frequently do webinars for all these companies. So yesterday I had one uh, the, uh, as well. So every week there's one webinar which I do, and uh, these kind of interviews. So this week this is the third interview which I'm doing. <laughs> I had one on Tuesday, one yesterday, and one with you today. So if you look at a typical day, for example, what I do is uh, when I get up in the morning I just check my mails and everything. Then uh, my if I don't have any meetings then I start doing my consulting work. So the lunch breaks are mainly what I have reserved for all this kind of kind of educational activities so such as webinars, uh, LinkedIn and everything. And in the evenings, uh, I say, I finish finished my consulting work at around 4.35. Then I start my, for the next two hours, it's all about advisory and uh, and uh, trainings so what excites me is basically you know i'm talking to diverse set of people from all over the world from india to uk like you to north america and understanding what's happening so like yesterday if if you had to take how my how my day went yesterday the morning i had an interview with a company in south africa then i finished it for three hours i was working then in the afternoon i had a meeting with one of my advisory companies they needed some advice on the go-to-market strategy then Riversand, there was a webinar with Riversand, which is an MDM company. So almost like sixty people turned up for the webinar. Then after that, it was a meeting with the CIO. So he had some challenges and he wanted mm-hmm. my perspective. He just wanted to pick my brain. Then after that, I came back to my consulting world and then uh, I was working. Then in the evening, it was again back to the guys in Fremont and then uh, again back to my cl- client in India, the utilities company. So helping them uh, with their uh, data literacy program. So bottom line, if you look at the whole thing, If I had to draw one common theme Mm. about what it is, everybody looks at a promise of data and analytics. They see data and analytics is the future. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So and all want to know how they can realize the value of data and analytics for better business performance.
0: You know what? It's um, it's all I'm going to say. It's about damn time. (laughs) (laughs) You know we got there, and they're certainly keeping you busy with it. You know.
1: Yeah, it's busy. But today in the COVID times, whatever studies you see, whatever scenarios people are talking about in the post-COVID world, one scenario is common. The data and analytics is going to play a more important role. Whether you talk to World Economic Forum or Forbes or McKinsey or any of those big shots, everybody is talking data and analytics is going to play a bigger role. Than it was before. Before it was really big, but it's going to play a more important role.
0: So I, I think uh, you know the, the worst thing to do here is knee jerk reactions uh, coming out of this pandemic and preparing for the future it has got to be founded around data, data driven decisions. And again, in finance, you know, putting cash forward, you know, and and that opportunity cost of not doing something. So, you know, I think I think the future does look bright and there are opportunities for audience to go embrace. you know, the one positive another positive thing actually, Prashant, in terms of what you're describing your workload as, was um it seems to be a good mix between very large organizations and smaller entities. You know, and for, for our listeners for maybe perhaps smaller companies, not perhaps the, the large corporate finance teams, but the smaller uh you know, four, five, six, maybe up to twenty employees in finance. You know, is there sort of any advice that uh, you would give them to to kick off a data analytics uh, program to drive better business performance and start to productize in their business?
1: OK, uh, great question, Andy. Number one, you know, if you go for a company with 20 people, mm-hmm. the way they, their budgets, their maturity is very different from yes. the shells and the G's of the world. It's two complete things. But the good thing is I have worked for both. So I know what works in the small companies and what works in this big, <laughs> large companies. So when I go to, so let's assume you, since your question is about the small companies, like ones with say 20 to 50 people, for instance, the first thing which I want to say is what's your objective. Yeah. So what do you, what do you want to see yourself in five years? Like when I asked a founder about this company, so what's your objective about this in five years? He he wanted to, of course, everybody wants to make money. That's obvious. But but at the same time, what's your roadmap? What's your strategy to make money? Yes. Right. So ultimately, he said, uh, after a few discussions, he said, I want to exit. Okay. That's a great thing. How do you want to exit? by selling it to a system integrator or to, or to a big four yeah. uh, consulting uh, company. Okay, that's uh, fine. I'm not saying that that's bad. It's, that's, it's okay. That's, that's but initially, tell me your strategy. Tell me your objective. Yeah. It's not just about a very fluffy thing about making money <laughs> or uh, customer <laughs> service and everything. It yeah. has to be a very tangible metrics. Yes. Okay, so I said, okay, this is your thing. So your business strategy is this. Now tell me that that's your strategy. Tell me your objectives, which you are going to do to achieve that uh, strategy which is very clear. Like one thing is if you talk about the shells and the G's, for example, there is no way your CEO will have time for you to talk about this. Whereas <laughs> in a small companies, you can directly talk to your CEO, right? Exactly. You just send a mail and he's sitting right in front of you. You have to get up from your cubicle and go and talk to him. Yeah. Like, and he's always willing to talk. That's the advantage you have in the small and uh, small companies. So tell me about your strategy. Tell me your strategy objectives. And then what I ask them is come with a three by three matrix. Which is the purpose of data, which is compliance, operations, and uh, analytics, mm-hmm. versus the purpose of uh, business, which is customer service, employee engagement, and asset optimization. So I just say that okay, let's make a three by three, and what are the different initiatives, which buckets to fall. Okay, now this is all done. We, this this shouldn't take more than two days. If I if I am talking to the CEO, if CEO doesn't have answers to this to these things, so and even after two days he doesn't know what, what he's doing, that means it's a red flag. So people like me have to think. Whether you are in the right place, yeah. <laughs> That's a good answer. For your next
0: gig, <laughs> yeah. That is a good answer, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. A, so
1: yeah. coming to this, so for companies to start, to go ahead from this, it is think big, start small. Hmm. Okay. Now you have your two-year or five-year vision. Start small. Look at a particular use case. Start selling right. that use cases and make it work. Yeah. So that you know, look at micro transactions. Don't start boiling the ocean, but keep in mind. You have to boil the ocean at some point in time, but start small with with relevant use cases.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it might sound a bit gory, but I heard the expression, you know, there's the, you know, what's the only way to eat an elephant? It's it's piece by piece, you know. That's that's it. <laughs> you know, at some point you'll finish yeah. eating the elephant, but it's piece by piece. You got to start somewhere. So no, no, yeah. great, great, great advice, advice, And actually, thinking about it, you've been giving us great advice on the show so far. Uh, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, I'll split it into two. Say professional, more like long-term professional. Other one is analytics advice. If you look at on the personal front, with the one, the best advice I got was when I was with GE, and my manager said, "Your reputation is everything. So you you work for work for your reputation, not for money, not for promotions or whatever. You work for your reputation." So as my hair is turning grey. <laughs>
0: It's only slightly <laughs> gray, so, Prashant, Yeah, slightly gray. It's
1: getting gray every day. I have more and more realized the value of that statement. It might look like a simple Warren Buffett said the same thing. You take 20 years to build your reputation and five minutes to destroy it. Mm-hmm. So I have realized that we are all working for reputation and uh, respect. Mm-hmm. So that's why the advantage, I have been working on this, like this interview, for example, why I'm doing it, to build my brand, to build my reputation, all those uh, things. Then uh, analytics, the best advice I got was from one of my professors at MBA where he said analytics is like a compass, it is not a GPS. So when I think about it, you know, the whole process of getting good data, taking that uh, good data and uh, putting your statistical models and getting insights, there is always some kind of uncertainty or subjectivity you go with. Say, the quality data, for example. There is no state like perfect quality data. You always work with some amount of data which is which is not of good quality. You work with that. You you compromise accuracy versus correctness, and you go for that. When you start uh, deriving your regression models, you look at different p-values and say, OK, this is good. I can still absorb it, though it might not be the right number. So at any point in time, throughout your analytics program, when you do a data storytelling, for example, there are 20 people in the room. It is not possible to have, you have answers for everybody. So this, you are always working with some amount of subjectivity, some amount of assumptions. So that's the next best advice, which I would, uh, which I have got.
0: I can see that playing out, Prashant. Just, I think for some of rodents that could be a bit uncomfortable because again, one thing accounting prides itself on is accuracy. But then again, that accuracy of historical stuff—stuff stuff that's already happened—a lot of the, the the analytics we're doing is to drive future business performance and more, you know, media and longer-term business performance. So, you know, I don't think we can judge analytics by the same sort of level of accuracy, and hence why the importance of having a compass as opposed to GPS. You know, it's more directionally correct; it's, it's pointing in the right way, and you might have to pivot at some point, but it's not a GPS. So, I love that. I love that analogy. It's great so uh, so thanks for that prashant and i suppose look um in terms of resources obviously we mentioned your book Um, is there any sort of other resources or, or books or whatever our audience should go check out
1: Okay. The first thing is, you know, like I will show you a few things uh, is my uh, book, the two books. The uh, first one is data for uh, business performance. Uh, the next one is analytics best practices, which I constantly review. Though I, I wrote it, you know, <laughs> I continue to review it. Okay, this is what it is. Then I have a few books which I constantly review at work, which is this one from Ralph Kimball, the, the okay. Data Warehouse uh, Toolkit. Okay. So this is one thing. Another favorite uh, book of mine is this one, which is uh, Essentials of Business Analytics, which is all about doing analytics with Excel. So I'm a big fan of, though I believe in Python, I try to practice what I preach. And one of the things is, think big, act small. So before you start doing something big, start doing something small. And my small of analytics is try to do it in Excel. If it works in Excel, it will work in anything
0: else. (laughs) exactly that's that, by the way, that's a really great bit of advice for audience i mean a lot of us use excel and, and finance so that is a great bit of advice don't go and try and develop an analytic solution play with it in excel develop it there get it to work and then you can use the, the python or the r or whatever you need to do to go and uh, scale it put it at scale yeah one thing's out of the box
1: the next thing is about the people itself right like you need to work with the people like we are fortunate at this time like we have great social media platforms like linkedin there are so much of knowledge people are sharing about their insights, about tools, about say if you need any help, you need to know. Who is that person? And uh, if you are connected to the right person in LinkedIn, they have the right answers for you. Yeah. So uh, one thing is about reading and everything. Other is about people as well, your network. So leverage your network. And uh, I have been fortunate to have some great people in my network if for from any place within the data lifecycle, right from uh, technology, right from analytics, right from machine learning uh, and deep learning and all those areas. So, uh, so the next thing is about build your right networks.
0: That is an awesome bit of advice, actually, Prashant, you know, is I think there's too many people, whatever profession, accounting or, or whatever, we jump too much into the technical side and the theoretical side and the and the book and the reading, as opposed to actually, you know, it's all about people at the end of the day. So, you know, go and ask them for their experiences, what what worked well, what didn't, uh, hard-won lessons, you know, um, again, great, great advice. And I suppose, look, should our audience wish to continue the conversation, I imagine LinkedIn is probably the best place to connect with you at.
1: Oh, LinkedIn is the is the number one place. But people can connect with me in LinkedIn. I generally accept everybody's invite because I just want to meet smarter and better people. I want to be surrounded by the best of the best. I'm always open. I'm always an open uh, connector. So I just uh, I don't decline anybody's uh, invite. <laughs>
0: uh, hey, no, that's great, great right. And, 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 and yeah. percent we've not really even mentioned about your institute work. You know, and I, I sort of I want to make sure we get the right resources there. So if we're all into wish and following up around your your work you do at the institute, uh, where can they find? out more about that
1: so they can go to my company's website dbp-institute.com so they can see what work we have done what other are the clients talking about our work you can also look at the team we have and uh, we are a small team but we have done some great impact in a very cost effective way to many companies
0: <laughs> yeah music to finance <laughs> <those> professionals ears
1: <laughs> yeah yeah we are always looking to help clients get more value out of data and analytics
0: uh, that, that's awesome, Prashant. And look, I suppose, as as we're wrapping up again, I, I really liked the way you started the show, our interview with the analogy that, you know, data analytics, we're all using it. And homemakers, finance accountants, policemen, whatever, you know, we're all using it. I suppose then in terms of our audience, would you have maybe any parting thoughts uh, for them before we wrap up?
1: I would say this recording, is this advice would be even applicable for myself, not just for your audience. I always believe that uh, it is three things which really matter for having a successful career. Uh, One is having the right experience and knowledge, number one. Next, number two is um, having a kind of a a decent bank balance so that uh, you are are confident. You know that you can, even if things go south, you have a few months of uh, bank balance for to survive. So that's also builds your confidence as well, so that you are not uh, deviated from your long-term goals and strategy, because if, uh, if you don't have good money in your bank balance, you might compromise on your career and take up something which will which will distract you from your long-term goals. So money is also important. And the third thing, which, uh, which is equally important or even more important than money and uh, education these days is about your network. Mm -hmm. So I say your net network is your net worth.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing that back to the money again. (laughs) Your net worth. So (laughs) yeah,
1: so it's it's a combination of these three things, which will uh, which will help. uh, So that's what I've been uh, telling myself. How do I build? More skills. How do I make sure that I don't spend money unnecessarily? How do I work with smarter people mm-hmm. so that I I learn better? That's what I've been advising myself to and my kids. And this, if if somebody has to ask what's my advice, this is one line I would tell them.
0: Hey, that that's awesome! prashant what a way to end the show. So look, thank you so much for coming on and investing your time with strength in the numbers today.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for your time, uh, Andy. It was great talking to you.
0: So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show